Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Wow. 
Oh 
Ba 
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning. Welcome to a Friday. Friday Erev Shabbos here at J.M. in the A.M. Tzvi Silberstein and Company with Yedid Nefesh and Habait. You heard Atayacha done by Shalshelis Jr. 613, Shira Lamelech and Michamocha. Bitachon, a draw you cry, done alum, curry bone, and losevo sheen. Of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. J.M. in the A.M. Friday for this July 2nd. Oh, I just realized today's someone's birthday who I know. Hmm. 22nd day in the month of Tammuz, the year 5781. Tufshin Pei Aleph. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas with candle lighting time at 810. 810 is the candle lighting time in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av is one day next Shabbos. Next Shabbos is Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. 71 degrees, 91.1% humidity. Winds are west, 5 miles per hour. Thunderstorms today, a high of 79. Showers, thunderstorms tonight, low 63. Tomorrow, rain and a high Shabbos, just 67 degrees. Wow. It's a 30-degree difference from a couple of days ago. Yerushalayim is at 88 up in Guilford, New York. Our friends at Camp Missora enjoying 62-degree weather and no doubt a great camping season as well. As we say good morning here at JM in the AM. Oh, and here in New York, it's 71 degrees. As we say good morning here at JM in the AM. Um, we'll check in with Ari Rockoff. He's going to be calling in. He's executive director of RZA Mizrahi. He's in Israel. Lucky man. We'll speak with him coming up. Um, Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin with words about uh, Parshas Pinchas. Rabbi Yudin is going to be live from Israel. Malcolm Honline, executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us for the weekly update coming up uh at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time right here at JM in the a.m. So plenty going on 
Lots happening, and of course, we've got it all for you here between now and 9 o'clock, and then a full day of amazing Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by our wonderful friends at Kedem. want to give a special hello and shout-out to those who are listening in Yerushalayim right now. Listener Yoichi indicated on the app before Modani that he was listening in to our amazing network, and I thank him for that. And I thank all of you for tuning in and sticking with us. Yesterday we had uh, John Moscott on, who's a star of the uh, Israel baseball team that's going to the Olympics. I just want to remind you that um, Sunday, July 11th, their game against the uh, FDNY, New York's bravest, will start at 4 p.m. at Maimonides Park. It is to benefit Makar Disability Services. Uh, I would hope that everybody out there, if you're not able to make it, buy some tickets. If you're able to make it, the, even better, um, because I'd like to see not only Makor do well with this, I'd like to see Israel, Team Israel, have fans in the stands. So that's July 11th, 4 p.m. They'll be up in Rockland County against the New York Boulders uh, in Pomona, New York, on July the 12th. And they travel to a bunch of places before getting back to New York on July the 20th. So uh, Team Israel is ready for the Olympics. It starts at the end of July, and we are excited to see them represent our country. Uh, IsraelBaseball.com has the information. IsraelBaseball.com. IsraelBaseball.com. And um, that's your opportunity to, uh, to see Team Israel before the Olympics begin. So go to IsraelBaseball.com. If you want tickets for the game Sunday night, meaning a week from this coming Sunday, um, if you want tickets for Sunday night, a week from this coming Sunday, uh, at 4 p.m., actually it's Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m., you can contact our friends at Makar by dialing 917-796-7361. That's 917 917- Seven nine six seven three six one. Contact Makor. Get your tickets. Sponsor some tickets, and um, should be a lot of fun to see see Team Israel take on the FDNY in Brooklyn, New York. Again, the phone number nine one seven seven nine six seven three six one nine one seven seven nine six seven three six one i'm away next week mark zamek on monday avrami finkelstein on tuesday and thursday and matis weingast on wednesday and friday will be sitting in for me and i thank them in advance i thank them very much in advance uh for sitting in and um letting uh letting the host have a little break which is much appreciated to say the least also matis informs me that um this coming sunday Shimshon Mayer Frankel is going to be his guest on JM Sunday. The book is called The Wisdom of Getting Unstuck, How to Emerge and Avoid the Muddy Middle. The Wisdom of Getting Unstuck, How to Emerge from and Avoid the Muddy Middle. Shimshon Mayer Frankel is um, is Matis's guest this coming Sunday morning on JM Sunday, which airs from 7 until 9 a.m. Eastern Time right here at the Nahum Siegel Network.
J.M. in the A.M. Tzvi Solberstein, Matovu Miyale, Avharachamim, Yedid Nefesh. Ofi Nadin there with Mimkomcha. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Pinchas, and this is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. In the background, Galitzal. There are news from Israel coming up and plenty more. Candle lighting at 810 in New York on this Erev Shabbos Parsha's Pinchas. will bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av is Shabbos, one week from tonight. Imagine that. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for Fridays next. Boker Tov, JM in the AM. Galitzal, Shalom Rav, Baulpan, El Azar, Ben Lolo, Im, Masha Koreach Shav. פועל נפל למוות במהלך עבודות בנייה בחיפה. צוות מד הפינה את הפצוע, גבר בן 55 שנפל מהקומה הרביעית לבית החולים רמב״ם בעיר כשהוא מורדם ומונשם, אולם שם נאלצו הרופאים לקבוע את מותו. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר שהרקע והנסיבות בבדיקה. הלווייתו של מפקד חטיבת הנחל, אלוף משנה שרון אסמן, זיכרונו לברכה, תיארך ביום ראשון בשעה ארבע אחר הצהריים בבית העלמין הצבאי בקריית שאול. אלוף משנה אסמן, בן 42 במותו, הותיר אחריו אישה, שתי בנות, הורים ואחות. מוקדם יותר היום הודיע משפחתו כי תתרום את איבריו. המאבק בהתפרצות זן הדלתא, משרדי הביטחון, התחבורה ורשות שדות התעופה החלו בעבודות להקמת אוהל ענק בנמל התעופה בן גוריון שיאפשר להרחיב את מספר בדיקות הקורונה לעוברים בנמל עם תחילת טיסות הקיץ. באוהל יפעלו עשרות עמדות בדיקות שיאפשרו לבדוק עד 2,500 איש ואישה בשעה. העבודות יימשכנה עד לכניסת השבת ותתחדשנה במוצאי שבת במטרה להעמיד את האוהל כבר בתחילת השבוע הקרוב. ביולי צפויים לעבור בנמל יותר מ-800 אלף נוסעים, כאשר רק בחודש האחרון עברו בנמל יותר מ-500 אלף. ידיעה שריכזו כתבינו דורון קדוש ועינב קרנר. שר החוץ וראש הממשלה החליפי יאיר לפיד מתייחס לפרשת הצוללות ואומר, תהיה ועדת חקירה גם אם זה ייקח קצת זמן. כך בדברים שאמר לפעילי תנועת חקירה עכשיו, שהפגינו מול ביתו. בתנועה טוענים כי חברי הממשלה החדשה נמנעים מקידום הקמת ועדת חקירה ממלכתית לתיק 3000, למרות שהשמיעו הבטחות בנושא בעבר. ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו יניר קוזין. מצעד הגאווה במצפה רמון מתקיים כעת, למרות התבטאויותיו של ראש המועצה, לפיו קהילת הלהט"ב אינה קהילה כלשונו. מאות משתתפים באירוע שעומד בסימן מחאה נגד יחסו של ראש המועצה. כתבתנו שיר אמן מוסיפה כי בשל חוסר התקצוב גויסו במהלך השבוע האחרון 27,000 שקלים מהציבור ברחבי הארץ על מנת לקיים את המצעד. מזג האוויר תחול עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות בעיקר בהרים ובפנים הארץ ותהיה הכבדה בעומסי החום. אלה החדשות.
The Shapiro Brothers here at JM in the AM. It's brand new, the Amude Sheish medley that everybody is talking about. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candlelighting at 810. Harry Rothenberg has a, a very special message, if you will, about Parshas Pinchas. And here he is. Harry Rothenberg, Parshas Pinchas, JM in the AM. The Torah names the members of each of the family units within each tribe. And then it takes a brief detour and mentions... Dusan and Aviram, who joined Korach's rebellion and who were swallowed by the earth. When it describes them, the Torah uses a very surprising phrase, Kriye Ha'eda, leaders of the assembly. Leaders? These guys were scoundrels. They're Moshe's longtime rivals, constantly opposed him. They, way back when, had reported him to Pharaoh, almost resulting in his death. When he returned to Egypt from Midian, they confronted him after his first meeting with Pharaoh at the beginning of the redemption. Later, they disregarded Moshe and God's orders regarding how to handle the manna from heaven. And then, of course, they joined Korach's ill-fated rebellion. They weren't leaders. So what's going on? One commentator says, yes, they were leaders. It means that they were leaders of Korach's rebellion along with him. But another commentator says, no. That phrase is used because they were the leaders of the tribe of Reuven. And the Medrash goes further and tells us that immediately after the sin of the spies, when the nation said, let us appoint a leader, they held an election. And they chose two new leaders to replace Moshe and Aaron. Would you believe that they elected Dusan and Aviram? How's that possible? And keep in mind who was doing the voting, whether it was just the tribe of Ruvain or the entire nation. This was the Dordea, the generation of knowledge that had come out of Egypt through open miracles and that had stood at the base of the mountain and received the Torah from God. What leadership potential could they possibly have seen in Dusan and Aviram of all people? To answer that, we have to look at an even wilder medrash that tells us that Dusan and Aviram were two of the Shotrim, two of the police officers that were assigned to watch over the Jews in Egypt and who were asked by the Egyptian taskmasters to beat the Jews, to make them work harder, and who refused and were beaten themselves for that refusal. The Medrash continues and says that Dustin and Aviram lagged behind. They didn't leave Egypt with their Jewish brethren. And then later they decided, all right, we want to go with our Jewish brothers and sisters. And so God, shockingly, made another open miracle, split the sea a second time just for them because they had the merit of having taken a beating rather than striking their fellow Jews. And so maybe the Torah is calling them leaders to show us that they did indeed have enormous leadership potential. They had that stubbornness that's often a hallmark of the Jewish people. No one tells me what to do. Pharaoh, you're threatening to beat me? Send in your henchmen, send in the taskmasters, I'll take the beating. But that stubbornness that can be so great when used properly, can also be so terrible when used improperly because they also said the same thing. No one tells me what to do. 
when Moshe was talking and when God was talking. And that's what led to their tragic downfall when they were swallowed up by the earth. It's a lesson for us. Every one of our character traits can be used for the good or for the bad. If you're a couch potato and you just can't get up to do any of the mitzvahs, any of the things that you're supposed to do, that is a problem. You gotta work on that. But if you're also too lazy to engage in any forbidden activities, well then that's fantastic. Stay on the couch. Refill the potato chip bowl, pal. But of course, we're not supposed to aim for 50-50. These are my character traits and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad, no. We're supposed to constantly be reevaluating. How am I best using my character traits? Working on myself, improving myself, being honest, knowing what my strengths are and what my weaknesses are. Each one of us was given a particular mission. That's why we're here. That's why we're given our particular character traits. We have to figure out how to use them the right way. Thank you to Harry Rothenberg, as usual. Great words about this week's Parshas. Parsha, Parsha's Pinchas in this case. Again, big thank you to Harry Rothenberg. Friday morning broadcast, JM and the AM. Well, if you would have told Ari Rakoff, who's the executive vice president of RZA Mizrahi, if you would have told him a month ago uh, that he'd be in Israel at the very beginning of July, I don't know if he'd believe it, if he would have believed it. Uh, he is leading a leadership solidarity mission that is extremely, extremely impressive. A list of rabbis and Jewish leaders uh, that really is, is really distinguishable. Uh, very, very impressive. And he's actually in Lud, in the city of Lud with the group right now, on what is essentially, I would guess, the third day of their mission. They left Wednesday, so we'll call that day one. This is the third day of their mission to Israel. Ari Rockoff, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Ari, are you there? All righty. Ari? Yes. Oh, there Good you morning. are. Good morning. Ari, I didn't give up on you, thank God. A pleasure to welcome you back to JM and the AM. Just, just to make it clear, I don't want this to be the focus of the conversation, but so people understand, uh, because there's so many people frustrated they can't get to Israel, because you arranged for this group to go and because the Israeli government has a, 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 a more positive attitude towards groups that are organized coming to Israel. Thank God you guys were able to land there yesterday. Yes, and uh, I, I appreciate the introduction. I appreciate being with you. And if you asked me five days ago <laughs> uh, if we make it here, I would have said 50-50, <laughs> but uh, we made it. Amen to that, and I'm sure it's an amazing feeling. By the way, by the way, uh, th- this is not a bad question to start this conversation because, again, a lot of people are hanging on every word when someone's calling in from Israel and especially these days, what is it like? What's it like touching down in Tel Aviv after the long absence from our holy land? It was uh, surreal. We're here with a group of 30 um, uh, community leaders, rabbis across the country, North America, U.S., Canada, um, and it's surreal. I mean, when's the last time? We're somewhat spoiled. You know, we happened the last time. None of us have been, been here for any period, more than more than a month, two months, you know, it's been eighteen months for everyone. So it was, uh, it was, it was surreal. It was also eerie, I must say, going through Ben Gurion uh, almost alone. Um, they actually have isolated the different, um, you know, the different you know, parts of the airport from different countries. So you know, I could share more on that as well. But yeah, it was surreal, wonderful, and we're very, very, we're very appreciative that we were able to get in. Well, the list of Jewish leaders, rabbis, and community leaders that you have with you is really amazing, uh, to say the least. 
and anybody who sees the list, I mean, you'll, you'll agree. Um, it's funny or, or interesting, especially knowing the way these leadership missions go, and you have a lot of people to meet with and a lot of things to do and a lot of places to tour. But today, on Erev Shabbos, you took the group, and you are right now, in Lud, Israel. Why are you in Lud? <laughs> yeah, so we are actually physically in Lud. In fact, not only are we in Lud, I'm in a synagogue. As we speak, I didn't have this coordinated. I'm not that organized. Um, but I'm in a synagogue now that um, was burnt down uh, just a month ago, and we're meeting with residents of the town here. Uh, it turns out this synagogue has been burned down three times in the last 10 years. You know, there's a lot of history here that preceded. I think we know Lud because we land in Lud when we fly in through right. LL and United and either Delta, whatever it might be. Um, but uh, but I've, I've never been to this town, so this is my first visit. And actually, it's day three of our trip, but with the Bidud, the required Bidud, this is day one. So we felt for a solidarity leadership mission, this would be our first, uh, the first thing we would do. Yeah. So we left you know, from Jerusalem this morning. This is actually our first stop. And, of course, the goal is to be in Yushalayim for Shabbat, please God, and you have an entire list. I mean, I read the itinerary. You have a lot of leaders, both religious and uh, government leaders, that you're going to be uh, um, speaking to and people that are going to address uh, your crowd, your mission. Uh, you know, Ari, you and I, Ari Rakoff is with us, Executive Vice President, RZA Mizrahi, by the way. Uh, as as things open up, please, God, please, God, continue to check rza.org slash journey home, rza.org slash journey home, uh, Mizrahi, which is now a very, very active uh, USA uh, Mizrahi organization. Um, it, it wants to play a very important role in getting people back to Israel and reuniting and reacquainting people with Israel. So go to rza.org slash journey home, rza.org slash journey home, and hopefully soon, Flights like the one Ari took will be heading out uh, with groups of people uh, to visit Israel. Um, it, it's a. Um, it, I think one of the one of the um, things that I've been emphasizing about going back to Israel is people who have not. And, and I don't think. And I'm being serious about this. I don't think it's only because the Israeli government would prefer it this way. I think you're going to see a lot more people going with groups like yours just to get reacquainted with the land. Uh, we, we've not only missed the state of Israel and all that it has to offer, relatives and friends included, uh, but in addition to that, we realize that there are places we haven't been to in a long time, places we haven't shown our children and grandchildren. And I think, Ari, the organized tour is going to have a little bit of a revival in this era. Yeah, I think that's correct. You know, I think right now it's practical and structural. You know, um, thank God we were with many NCSY groups um, from New Jersey, from Florida, from all across the country. They're landing one by one. Right. I think it's, uh, but yeah, I think what you're describing is absolutely accurate. And uh, look, I hope it will go back to what we'll call normal, right, where you can fly and go as we come, but for obvious reasons, they've had to clamp down because of the uh, the spikes in the, the new Delta strain. Yeah, no question about it. We don't we don't know exactly when things will be open skies, but we're certainly hoping for it. Ari Rakov is Executive Vice President of RZA Mizrahi. He is in Israel at this time, um, the the list of people that you're meeting with is very very impressive. Um, it, it includes people in the new government, I would assume. At least it's scheduled on your uh, on your itinerary. Um, I, I I would imagine that there are a lot of people in your group who have a lot to say about the direction that the Israeli government has taken over the last month or so. Do you think over the next few days when you're there, this is going to be a very hot topic? 
Um, I do. It was a hot topic even before we got on the trip. Um, you know, everyone's coming, obviously, to, uh, you know, to reconnect, show solidarity, but also, you know, issues of the day. You know, we, we deliberately are meeting with a broad spectrum um, of, the, of the new government, you know, from right to left to center. You know, within our group, we have a wide range of opinions, and right. we're being very deliberate on how we're planning for it. And uh, each conversation actually is going to be intimate. We're not doing it. We're actually meeting in the Knesset with the uh, MKs. Uh, that'll be on Monday. Monday is, is the day that the Knesset sits actively. You know, we, we expect some time changes. Um, but uh, besides that, you know, we look forward to a full day, actually, on Monday uh, at the Knesset. Very interesting. I'll tell you, there's... Uh... There's a lot going on in Israel right now. People here on this side of the world may not realize it because we don't get to go often enough or at all at the present time. But there's so much happening in terms of the direction of Israel. Also, Ari, the um, I, I wonder because of the leadership role, and I noticed that that Fleur was uh, one, who joined us last week on the air was yeah. one, was one of the people that uh, that greeted you. Um, you know, her mantra, rightfully so, has been the leadership role that Israel is now taking in world jury. We, we always looked especially yep. to the diaspora, especially to American jury, uh, for, for the support that was needed for Israel and other places. And now that is that is undergoing a major shift, uh, to say the least. Is, is that is that something that um, is that something that's palpable? Is that something that you know, as you sit in these meetings? I know you haven't had many meetings yet, uh, but is that something that that you think will resonate? Uh, with the people that are with you that unlike a couple of years ago or maybe the last time they were there, there's a completely different direction in terms of Israel's leadership role in the Jewish world? Um, you know, can you be more specific? In other words, a leadership role, because I, I, we met with Flora, of course. Well, because she, I mean, just as an example, that she felt the need to do a solidarity mission to the United States because of the anti-Semitism going on here, just that in and of itself was was taking a page out of the book of American jury with all the solidarity missions we've undertaken over the last so many decades. And I just feel that in addition to what they're doing in Florida with the rescue team, I know that happens around the world very, very often. It's not unusual for Israel to show up uh, to help in rescue efforts. But I think in general, uh, it, some of the members of the Israel, of the current Israeli government are looking at their role when it comes to world jury very differently than a few years ago, that they, that they have to reach out and they need to be concerned about the education and the Jewish education and well-being of Jews around the world. Yeah, I, I understand your point very clearly, and I think it, it's definitely palpable. It was palpable already on this trip. Um, and it's been palpable, actually, for, I would say, you know, even a matter of months. Um, there was a letter that went out uh, a, few, a few weeks back. Um, it, w- it was originally in Hebrew. It was a message uh, translated to English and sent to over a 1,000 rabbis in America. Um, you know, support from, you know, top rabbinic leadership across Israel, you know, when we were going through, you know, a difficult period of anti-Semitism, which, unfortunately, I read the news from my hometown in Boston, you know, just this morning. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's just devastating. That's and right. yes, I think there is, I don't know, I don't want to call it a paradigm shift. I think that's probably Bennett himself, you know, he's only been in office a short while, but right. he talks very often about, you know, the need to, you know, make Israel the center that, of course, it is for all of us, but it's the center of the conversation and the leadership for, for diaspora. And I think, yeah, that is something that is certainly different. I think in a week's time after the conversations, I could, I could probably respond you know, even more, um, you know, in terms of what I'm hearing. But we, we were greeted by the deputy mayor uh, of Jerusalem by Zoom. We were all in Bidud in our rooms, so that was interesting. She wasn't able to actually come to our hotel. Ah. So even that kind of experience at home was kind of bizarre. 
tell you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> but we did. We, she met us on Zoom, and she was in Baca in her apartment, and we were all in our room uh, in the King's Hotel. I mean, that was the first. Um, but, you know, in this uh, Zoom environment, it seems kind of normal, but she was wonderful. And uh, our group was calling her the Nikki Haley of Israel. You know, <laughs> she's someone, if you haven't had on the show, yeah. bring her on. I know she's been with you. She's, uh, she's great and uh, very dynamic and was really giving us a very full picture of Jerusalem today. Uh, it was very, very unique perspective. Are you getting any idea of when rza.org slash journey home will become a reality where more groups with people who are desperate to go will be able to head to Israel with you? You know, a month ago, uh, a week ago, you know, I, I would have answered differently. Just the spike in COVID here was totally unexpected. And I think, you know, Hashem runs the world, and I think we're learning that, and that's been reminding us. So I wish I could say a month from now, after Yomdif, oh, Sukkot, it should be good. Um, I, I would like to say by the end of this calendar year, going into the next one, that, that it will be much more open. But I'm, I'm um, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic that the journey home uh, will happen. Uh, it just might be a little later than perhaps we expected. Yeah. Um, I would say by December, December, January, it looks like it will be fully clear. And that's, um, for my word, that's what we're hearing here in terms of how they plan to kind of phase it in. And now we're, uh, we're practically in the middle of summer, and who knows what the winter will bring. By the way, is the community fund still active, the uh, Israel community fund that you guys are part of to help Lud and other areas that were attacked. Is that is that still active on the web? Yeah, not only is it active, it, we just actually launched it past, uh, this past week, oh, um, wow. heading into the three weeks. It was an initiative of Rabbi Shalom Axelrod, the Israel of Woodmere, Rabbi Shalom Ismach, uh, Rabbi Young Israel of Greenack, together with National Council. You know, essentially reached out and said, this was two months back, how do we help with the situation in Lod, how can right. we be more deliberate? And, you know, can we help build the shuls back as an example? And it was a real interesting conversation because, you know, Rabbi Doran Perez, head of World Mizrahi, and his team happened to be in Lod, you know, here on, on, on the ground. And, you know, we essentially created a fund um, to be able to earmark towards uh, the needs of the community, which interestingly was not to actually rebuild the shul. You know, one would think when a shul was, if a shul were torched, God forbid, that the, that the primary need would be to rebuild. Actually, that's all covered by insurance. In fact, the shul that I'm looking at right now was already re- rebuilt. It's unbelievable. <laughs> you know, uh, the entire shul is already rebuilt. You could see the damage on the sides, but it's, uh, it's been rebuilt. The needs here are actually psychological and social. Um, you know, kids have been tormented. We listened to a woman speak to us just a few minutes ago. She saw her Arab neighbors, who were her friends, you know, for the last 10 years, pointing out, literally pointing out to, uh, to, to, to the mob uh, on the street, which cars to torch, which houses to torch, which shows, which shows the torch. They were pointing, and they had oh, video almighty. footage of it. That's something I did not know. Oh, I don't know almighty. if that came out of the media, but we heard from five or six people. We're in someone's apartment right now that I'm looking at that was torched, and it's scary. So now the issues that we're going to be raising funds around are going to be, um, first of all, it's not a one-time fund. It's a fund that will be able to be perpetuated, hopefully for some good Opportunity, you know, good expansion and infrastructure and support. But for right now, this fund, um, you know, which is rza.org Israel Community Fund, uh, backslash Israel Community Fund, is going to help with bringing social workers here and rabbis who uh, can help bring people back. Many people not home left mode because right. of riots. No, not surprisingly, how are they going to get back? Who's going to talk to the kids about coming out of their house again? Uh, they're terrified. So, uh, so, so we tried to, yeah, we tried to match that up. Because sometimes when we fund things, it's hard to know. We assume from a distance, I know I did, 
before this, that the fund would go to fund, you know, the bricks and mortar. Uh, but in this case, it's much more on the human level. Um, so we, we've been able to sort of identify that, earmark that, and for those interested interested in in, uh, in contributing, they can go there. And uh, we're, we're hoping to have over 100 schools participate in this uh, through their schools and, and schools. So that, know, many in this group alone will be that. Yeah, that, that's why I want to emphasize. Uh, I mean, anybody's invited, obviously, to go look at the web page. Quite obviously, but those of you who are leaders, presidents of synagogues, rabbis, certainly take a look because it's not just a a fund. It is also a whole strategy of how to develop this into a way that um, that we in the diaspora and around the world can help when cities in Israel and Jewish neighborhoods in Israel go through episodes like this. So go to uh, rza.org slash Israel Community Fund. Again, that's rza.org slash Israel Community Fund. Information about the uh, trips, please God, please God. We don't know exactly what's going to be over the next half a year, but RZA Mizrahi, which is extremely active now, is uh, planning on uh, leading trips to Israel. Um, if they look anything like the itinerary of the one that Rabbi Rockoff is leading right now, then you're in for quite a treat. Go to rza.org slash journey home, rza.org slash journey home. Ari Rockoff from Lud and ready to spend a Shabbat with Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. Anything else you'd like to add, sir? No, I just want to say thank you for having me, and uh, I look forward to um, seeing you when we get back. And like like you said, I hope that uh, we'll be able to get back back here on the journey home. It's been too long, and uh, I look forward to uh, doing that all together as a community. Can't believe you pulled this off. Kalaka vote. Best regards to everybody in Jerusalem and Israel. Thank you so much. Have Rep- a great Shabbos. A good Shabbos. Rabbi Ari Rockoff. Unbelievable that they pulled this off. Unbelievable that, thank God, the government of Israel let everybody in, <laughs> frankly. Um, rza.org slash journey home if you want to support the fund or learn more about how you could set up a satellite fund for the general fund that we just discussed. rza.org slash Israel Community Fund. rza.org slash Israel Community Fund. Candle lighting 810 in New York. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Going to join us coming up for the weekly update, and of course, plenty more if you keep it right here at JM in the AM.
Yeah, I know. Somehow that the selection snuck into our uh, three weeks format. Our three weeks format, by the way, in the old days used to include songs like that on uh, Erev Shabbos, but I couldn't resist. It's uh, Birchas Achodesh. It also is a song dedicated to the memory of Lobo, Chaim Silber, so had to get it on as we get set to Ben Trosh Chodesh tomorrow. Uh, Jam in the Am on a Friday morning broadcast. That was um, Aleph Tahar. They also had Shabbos and Gilo uh, before that. Reminder that Team Israel... Uh, we spoke to John Moscott yesterday, the pitcher for Team Israel. They're coming into America starting on July the 11th. Uh, they will be at MCU, or now they call it Maimonides Park in Brooklyn, New York, to face the FDNY on the 11th of July starting at 4 p.m. And our friends at Makar Disability Services are using that for a fundraiser. You know, based on what we did with Makar back in January, just how important an organization they are. If you want tickets, if you want to be there for the big baseball game, uh, and see Israel be represented on the baseball field, 917-796-7361, 917-796-7361. Also, I wanted to mention that Matis is getting ready for JM Sunday, and um, uh, this coming Sunday, and he'll be on between 7 and 9 a.m., as he is every Sunday for 
God knows how long. He has a consecutive streak that's pretty amazing. Um, so uh, he'll have uh, Matis' guest this coming Sunday on JM Sunday is Shimshon Mayer Frankel, author of the book The Wisdom of Getting Unstuck. The Wisdom of Getting Unstuck. Make sure to be tuned in between 7 and 9 a.m. this coming Sunday right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. And I'm off next week. A big thank you to Mark and to Avrami and to Matis. I'll all be sitting in between Monday and Friday of next week. I will be away. and Oh, and that means that our next weekly update uh, after today will be actually on Erev Shabbos Chazon right before Tisha B'Av, and that will be on the 16th of July. Uh, before we get to Malcolm, a reminder that our friends at Jewish worldreview.com have a million articles that you may want to print out and read over Shabbos or anytime. Go to jewishworldreview.com, jewishworldreview.com. It's an amazing resource. You will find it very valuable and plenty of information there that's uh, important to read and to get familiar with, jewishworldreview.com. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He's with us for the weekly update Fridays at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, good morning. One correction. I'll be flying that, that Friday morning, so I guess it'll be Shabbos Nachamu before we're back together isn't that a, next week. Isn't that appropriate that we'll reunite Arab Shabbos Nachamu? Isn't that appropriate? <laughs> guess so. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad you mentioned that. And yes, I will now remind the audience that the 23rd of July will, please God, be our next weekly update. When the... Um, when 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 Kevin McCarthy uh, sends out a tweet that says Democrats just blocked funding to resupply the Iron Dome, I mean, o- often when reports like this come out, you explain why that really is or isn't true. What's the story in this case? Okay, it's again a complicated one, and uh, obviously the Republicans will jump on an opportunity, as with Democrats, to uh, play it their way. This is actually a transportation bill. And they were uh, adding this amendment, and the objection was procedural. Many of our best friends in the Democratic Party voted for it. It was 218 to 209, wow. strictly along party lines. And it was not an objection to the, to the substance. It was to the procedure. And, um, you know, obviously it, it gives comfort to, to those who are hostile um, when headlines, you know, jump out right away, but you notice that it died very quickly uh, because it wasn't a, a substantive rejection of ATIS. So many of those signed are, in fact, strong advocates and are um, supporting other legislation that would, in fact, uh, help replenish the supply. So we'll see when that vote finally comes to the floor, uh, but we shouldn't overreact to this. And in the same. I think it was the same tweet. Maybe not. Maybe it was a different one. And not to make the whole show about Kevin McCarthy, frankly, but he writes, while Democrats defend anti-Semitic remarks in their own members, Republicans will always stand with Israel. Malcolm, I I know that obviously we have to thank our friends in the United States Congress. That's quite obvious. But I wish some of them, you know, the same complaint I have about other leadership, I I wish some of them, especially in the Republican Party, would stand up a little stronger and make their voices heard a little bit more when it comes to the anti-Semitism going on right now in this country. And I don't know if you agree with me. You might say that th- that what they do is sufficient, that they're always out there. It doesn't seem to me that they're doing enough. Nothing is sufficient right now, and that means we need to see, and, and there are initiatives, whether it's supporting for IRA, they're usually bipartisan uh, when it comes to the issue of anti-Semitism, usually overwhelming majorities, except for the few great crackpots right. uh, who support it. Uh, but... Yes, when when people 
speak out of turn and make sometimes outrageous statements or that people who are affiliated with the party, you know, you can't be, you're not responsible for what everybody says, but you do have an obligation to try and isolate and to to speak out clearly. And that means committee assignments on the part of, of the, well, the Democrats control the committee assignments now. The uh, There are other ways that they can send uh, strong messages against those who, who engage in the kind of rhetoric that Omar did uh, in the past week. There has to be uh, statements, and it's true when it comes to universities in their uh, districts or their states, when there are uh, acts of of, uh, hatred and bigotry that they have to speak out. We see the tremendous unity, uh, bipartisan unity, when it comes to what happened in Surfside. I mean, that should be the the standard. It shouldn't be such an exception that you cross party lines that uh, DeSantos sat next to President, uh, Governor DeSantos sat next to President uh, Biden and complimented each other. I mean, when, that should be the basic rule, and the exception should be the contentiousness that exists. Yeah, but it sort of reminded those of us who remember, uh, reminded us of the old days, where unfortunately in this case it was a tragedy, but you know, there was basic respect and the ability to actually sit with others and to say something nice about them. Um, when it came to Washington, and that's something obviously that has been dissolved recently. Maybe it's on its way back. Who knows? By the way, I mean, the episode in, in, in Boston, I'm sure the majority of this audience is already familiar with the news of uh, another blatant anti-Semitic act. I, I mean, again, I don't, know wh- I don't know what you expect or what you are hoping for. And I say this to you in the context of you being a real leader out there. But, but these senators, the U.S. senators from Massachusetts and others on the floor of the House of Representatives, should use an episode like this to discuss and and declare just how outrageous all this is and how it's unacceptable and it just unless I'm missing it it doesn't seem like they're using even terrible episodes like this one uh, you know which usually makes it easier to get out there and and protest it, it doesn't look like they're using it as an opportunity to make these these messages known well on some of the occasions some of the incidents they do um, I, I haven't seen all the reaction to the uh, uh, what happened in Boston. Uh, the problem is it's also becoming so commonplace yeah. that we have these in- incidents of uh, domestic violent extremists, the DVEs, or the what they call the uh, racial or ethnically motivated violent extremists. The, uh, we had a call yesterday with Mayorkas, the head of the Department of Homeland Security, and who who was Jewish, who was very sensitive and um, has redirected um, attention to to more and more respond, being responsive and helping um, synagogues organizations get massive amounts of funding that have been allocated for security. But the rise in mass shootings, the the um, all the states of emergencies in in I don't know thirty or forty states will be lifted in the coming days, and they're very concerned about the rise nationally. Uh, and that has taken place in the further years and about spikes that will come now. There was, they said that there was um, on the COVID-19 and Criminal Justice Commission that first quarter of 21 showed a 24% increase in homicide over 20, a 49% increase in the quarter over 2019, that we are seeing general violent extremism uh, being manifested 
in from left and right QAnons and uh, the extreme left groups, which are, are doing so much damage on campuses across the country. I mean, we can't, you can't keep up with all of these uh, incidents. And you have the foreign inv- government involvement. And I'm going into some detail because we're going to see, I'm afraid, much more as we see the Internet being, being seconded with Turkey, Iran, all sorts of other countries, came Russia, uh, and all sorts of extremist groups. And there is more and more evidence that keeps coming out, and it becomes a one-day uh, story. But in fact, it's, it's, um, it, it is something that is going to be with us uh, more. The FBI said Jews are the most targeted group in America, in, according to the data that they just said this in the last couple of days. So I think it's it's amazing. There's a group of students that called Jews on Jewish on campus who did a report just of voluntary comments, uh, and they got 1,100 anti-Semitic incidents and and uh, of harassment and bullying on college campuses alone. And they published a list of the 15 campuses which were the the worst. And just one more note that Canada released statistics to show that the attacks, the number of attacks are at record highs in Canada, that Jews were being singled out and targeted across it, whether it's Toronto, Montreal, Calgary, Winnipeg, uh, other places. It's um, uh, incidents where they go to predominantly Jewish neighborhoods in Canada. So we should see that there is a, a, a phenomenon. This is should be Everybody should be awoken to it. Everybody should be making their voice heard on it. Then voting is one. Writing is another. And going into streets, there'll be a demonstration next Sunday in Washington. There'll be other events where people can uh, make their voices heard. Uh, It is a a very critical stage. I know people are tired of hearing it from you and I. We've talked about uh, uh, the incidents that have, have occurred, and yet, it's imperative that we keep repeating it and warning people and getting them to understand the seriousness of this moment. Yeah, well, when it comes to the campuses, it's really legitimate because, I mean, I'm sure you saw the same articles I've seen that, I mean, kids are just afraid to go to their college campus at this point. That's outrageous in this country that a kid is, is, is afraid to go to the college campus. And then, you know, once they find out that they're Jewish or once they find out that they have, you know, Zionist leanings, everybody who used to hang out with them has no interest in hanging out with them anymore. It's really crazy. It reminds me, there was a story here locally. I think it was at NYU where somebody was here as a visiting student from Israel. Okay, but then they found out that the person had served in the IDF, and you know she couldn't find a friend after that. So it's uh, it, it's just it's scary that uh, that even the college campuses. I'm not saying that they're always comfortable and always welcoming, uh, but but I think most Jewish students felt that they could go to their campus wherever it is in this country and feel relatively safe. And that's no longer the case. And don't and remember that the campuses haven't come back yet. Right. So we're seeing all of this, and we see BDS resolutions, Franklin Marshall, 24 faculty members, CUNY Faculty Professional Association, which everybody should be protesting. And thank God there are uh, those who have signed on to uh, – faculty members who have signed on a petition against it, to, to, to uh, uh, professors who have resigned from it. And anybody who knows to people who teach at NYU should be pressing them to do the same, to stand up against uh, their union. But I can give you examples across the country, and sometimes we raise. I have an amazing, a wonderful professor at NYU who keeps uh, trying to defend the situation there when, in fact, in that study, the students at NYU came out uh, the worst of the campuses. And I'm sure that had we, if we do an in-depth study, we'll find that it's, it becomes more uh, relative. But we see the rise. Look, Reisi is a known anti-Semite, yet nobody is writing 
about when they're talking about this new president of Iran, who has such a blatant record against America, against Israel, and stuff. And you know the persecution of Christians there. They just arrested a bunch of Christians and uh, several, three or so, from the Church of Iran, and sentenced them five years just for practicing their religion. And yet the world is totally indifferent to that as well. Mm-hmm. So that those who understand nine nine Mueller, that if they think if you think you're exempt from it, nobody will be exempt from it. We will see this persecution spread, whether it's in the Muslim world or whether it's in the general world, that, that the once hate is unleashed, everybody becomes a victim of it. Now that we're on the topic of Iran, I believe the President of the United States reassured the President of Israel this week that under his watch, meaning the President of the United States, Iran will never uh, establish a true nuclear capability. Uh, I guess we have to take him at his word. Well, he did say that on, on in his while well, his administration's in office, they will not get a nuclear weapon. We, we want to see, make sure that no matter who's the president, right. it's, it's what we do today, make sure no, make sure that yeah. there will be um, um, uh, that there will be no nuclear program. That means we have to make sure that the concessions that are made, you know, the, the, a lot of concessions are made on sanctions already. And North Korea, South Korea, said that. And the United States approved them for giving some of the uh, paying off some of the debt to Iran by providing them with medical supplies and other things, which you know it's all fungible once you start giving aid. The new president of Iran should make it very clear about what direction that this government is in. It's not he's, he's uh, truly even worse than than Rouhani. Rouhani at least put a better face on it. This guy is much more blatant. Uh, and as I said, an anti-Semite, anti-American, uh, says he won't meet with Biden, doesn't want to negotiate, is, is, and the hardliners now control, or extreme hardliners, because all of them are hardliners. Nobody gets past the, the selection committee if they're not. <laughs> so out of the thousands of candidates, you know, seven made it and four dropped out, so you were left with three. It's like ragged voice, ragged vote uh, voting, ragged choice voting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get you get a choice, uh, yes and no, and uh, <laughs> to vote or not. Live, but, li- but, live or but die. I just want to say again, the turnout was not what they're saying. The turnout, they say, was 48%. I was told three days before, you will see that the vote turnout will be of 47.5 or 47.6%, because that's what the government determined they wanted the vote to be, even though they know that less than a quarter of the people voted and that a third of them voted against him, and three million ballots were mutilated, meaning left blank, didn't, were, were you know, X'd or other things as a protest, but the majority of the people didn't even vote. Mm. It's a protest by the people of Iran. And the, you see their aggressiveness with the militias firing at U.S. troops in, in Iraq and Syria. America responded to some of it. The, the export of their drone technology for weapons to, to all of their allied states from Yemen, Hezbollah, Hamas. They not only export the drones, but now they, they simply give them the, the technology and teach them how to develop it on their own. And we see at the U.N., the Secretary General says we should waive all U.S. sanctions now, that we have to drop the sanctions in his uh, report. But he can't report that they allow inspectors to go to the IEA because IEA says they're not allowed, that they have broken off all the, um, these contacts, saying that the deal expired and they're not going to allow it. And we know that they are violating every aspect uh, of the deal, that they are uh, the ballistic missiles developments going ahead and their regional activity. And we're told, well, that will be part of a second agreement. If you don't get it all in one agreement, it's not going to happen. There's not going to be a second agreement because there's no reason once they get what they want. That-
dollars that ended up in the pockets of the terrorists and, and of course, the supreme leader and the RGC because they control 40% of the economy. And the, they, they will, you know, increase their aid, which they uh, diminished right. to Hamas, Hezbollah, Houthis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Malcolm, if, if, you're, uh, if you're on a cord list, try to get as close to your base as possible. This is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Next weekly update, the 23rd of July, please God. That'll be Erev Shabbos Nachamu. 23rd of July, Erev Shabbos Nachamu. Um, look, I mean, before we get back to Iran, which I have to, um, you're a New Yorker. You're, you're a political scientist. What do you think of this aftermath of this ranked uh, choice voting? It's total confusion. Um, Bizarre. I can't figure it out. Uh, it hurts my brain to to get into it. About <laughs> these cal- it's sort of like bitcoins for me. I can't figure out both of them out. And um, you know, and you know, it's a question of the choices. The fact that, uh, as people tell me, ten, twelve members of the are affiliated with people with the DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, will be in the city council this year. Right. This is frightening. It's New York City. It's People who can hold and be associated with with an organization that holds the hostile views towards Israel, people say even anti-Jewish, and um, uh, views are getting elected. That that people, the turnout is is still very low, and so every ballot really you see it, how much each one counts. But it's um, yeah, boy, oh boy, I'm glad you just brought that up. And we say it every time, if you're not registered to vote, I mean, what more do you need, if you're in this area, what more do you need than what happened in the New York uh, election just now to understand how important every vote is, and especially for our community? Although I did read somewhere that our community did respond pretty well, but we need more and more people to register and get involved. In some of the from communities, thanks to really extensive efforts like the Flatbush JCC and others, they really did a job to help turn out more voters. It's still less relative to other communities maybe they were a little bit better but it shows that if there's a serious turnout you can change it i think they say that the adams victory here in brooklyn was in the margins was because uh in some neighbors of the religious community turning out people voting it takes two minutes you can do it in advance and it takes no time I, i walked into brooklyn college to vote i was out in 40 seconds, um, and no one asked my ID, and nobody asked me who I was. I just signed in, voted, uh, and left. Yeah. And people so I have no excuse now not to vote. And, and you, you see what's happening to our, to the city of New York, what's happening nationally. we got to vote. And, and uh, if you don't want to see votes in Congress on a real issue like we talked about, there's only one way to change it, and that's who gets elected. And you have off-year elections coming. People are already starting the presidential election for 24. Yeah, Involvement I, I, is key. I actually saw a Harris 2024 T-shirt in Manhattan yesterday. I thought that was pretty interesting. And by the way, I, don't, I blew it on the on the ranked vo- uh, choice voting. I, I blew it on one of the local, not on the mayor, but one of the local races. I, I had two people for number one. Of course, when they put it in the machine, I just just let, just let it go. You know, I'll hope they don't win by one vote. But 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 I, I had filled out so many all-star game ballots since my youth, Malcolm. So many of them. I, I, thought, I, I thought I'd be a veteran at this once I would walk into the polling station. It just didn't work out. What can I tell you? All right, back to Iran for a second. So here, look, you have to explain this because we're under the impression, or many of us are under the impression, that the last thing President Biden's going to do 
is take military activity or military action rather against Iran. Yet this week we saw, as you just mentioned, that in in Syria and Iraq, Iranian installations were attacked by U.S. forces. Explain what happened here. Well, they came under rocket fire, as has been the case for some time from Iranian-backed militias, as they call them. But these are just arms of uh, of Iran. Uh, who fired on uh, on American troops and American allies, but specifically uh, American troops themselves, and the response was to to send uh, airplanes that attacked bases, and they used huge bombs, 600-pound bombs, 400-pound bombs. Uh, you know, it wasn't a, a minor response where they just did a symbolic uh, attack. They hit them hard. And uh, according to some of the reports, a few people were killed, but they obviously did damage. And it was a message that you can't attack our troops. And we have a very limited number, and they're trying to, you know, force them out of Iraq uh, uh, with humiliation, not just that they leave, that Americans leave voluntarily, but that they'll be forced out. And I was very pleased that the United States um, responded in, and in a demonstrative way. But this has to be on a sustained basis, and you need a presence in in order to both bolster our allies and let them know that we're there. Because if the Iraqis feel that you know they're ultimately going to be left alone with the Iranians and their their um, subsidiary groups, then they're not going to take the kind of strong stands that to defend their own interests and and territorial uh, integrity. So it's it's very important that we have a, a sustained effort. And that we, uh, that America make it very clear that we're not going to write off our friends. We're not going to write off regions of the world that we're going to be there. It means maybe it can't be everywhere and with the same strength. But the fact that we're taking Patriot missiles out of the Middle East, that we're taking out parts of our squadrons uh, of planes from, from the Gulf area, these are all undermining confidence and open the door to Russia and China's um, mischief, but also to Turkey and to Iran and to other uh, extremist groups. And countries will base their actions on their perception of whether they can count on America, on the West. By and large, the West is already something that they've written off. The French, the Germans, I mean, they don't see them there uh, uh, by and large. So this is very serious that the United States um, responds to the fire from these militias. Were you, were you surprised? Because mainstream media, I think I would say, were shocked that the U.S. reacted this way. Were you surprised by it? I was surprised by the nature of the reaction. Interesting. Well, I guess it's a good thing, as you just described. Uh, the New York Times has an interesting analysis of the Eviatar situation, the place in the uh, in Yudan Shomron that uh, is now under um, a scrutiny. Uh, they describe that the Prime Minister, Naftali Bennett, has had no choice but to come up with some compromise. And I always wonder if compromise in these situations is good, what it says about one's leadership, but I'll get that comment from you in a moment. Uh, and the compromise in this case would be that they're going to evacuate the place but uh, have the military guard the homes until things are decided, see how things go down the road. And this hopefully will placate both the right, haha, and both the left, haha, uh, in terms of um, uh, moving forward. What, what's your First of all, is the, is the Times analysis correct about how he's handled this, and what do you think? I think the haha is right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, um, look, it's a complex situation. I don't know precisely what the agreement, if if it is part of their of some of the coalition agreements about how they will deal with that, this and similar situations. 
look, right now they, they have to struggle to keep this coalition together and doing things that will prove divisive or disruptive to the, to the very delicate coalition um, uh, are going to be uh, handled with kid gloves, and they're going to look for compromises and um, measures that will sustain the unity of the coalition. Uh, they have to get a budget passed. They have other things that they have to do. They have also some uh, religious issues that will be very sensitive uh, coming up. Yeah, so they, that's right. The, I think that they are going to work very carefully and assiduously to um, not allow things to to disrupt the the coalition. You see, the uh, President Rivlin's visit with Biden mostly dealt with with Iran and and the assurance that, as you mentioned, and and also Lapid met with um, uh, with Blinken, and uh, we understand that Bennett is going to be invited to the White House. I don't know if it'll be before the vacations or after. Uh, so there is a concerted effort to build a relationship with the United States to deal with consensus things to, you know, get gain the legitimacy of the government in the eyes of the people. People do not want another election now, and so any issue like this that could be potentially disruptive, I think they will try to paper over for now, find a way to get past it and be able to deal with it when the coalition is stronger. When they they also you know are, are going to pass this legislation. It looks like that will enable parties to be formed so that uh, if a group from, let's say, Likud wants to break off right. and join the government, that that would be possible. There, I mean, we're very familiar, obviously, with the, with the, um, the conflict on the right. But on the left, yeah, I think one of the things we need to remember, and you'll tell me if this is a ridiculous analysis, but one of the things we need to remember is that this Arab party that's part of the coalition essentially ran on, you know, let's ignore the big picture in terms of, you know, Israel-Palestinian peace, and let's get some practical stuff done for our community. So I wonder if they're just more hesitant than they might have been years ago if this coalition would have existed, where, you know, they immediately would say, if you don't dismantle, you know, the, the, a place like Eviatar, we're out of the government. And now they're much more careful to, you know, play it cool because they think there's a real advantage for their future if they're part of this government. Do you think that's part of the consideration? I do think it's certainly a factor that they, that uh, Abbas, the head of the Southern yeah. Muslim League, uh, I have to tell you, in the Arab world, they look at it and they say, listen, he's still Muslim Brotherhood, but he's, he seems to be a pragmatist. He's looking for what he can get for his people, and there's pledges of billions of shekels in aid and dealing with the criminal and cr- the crime situation within the Arab uh, communities, which is very bad. There have been a regular numbers of homicides um, just this year already. There, I think there were 40 or so, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so it, it is a factor that they are they, that they take into account, and that's why they're looking to build up and broaden the coalition, so that you're not dependent upon any one element. And the opposition does not seem to be in a position really to to challenge right now. Right. Uh, and remember, they have the other Arab vote also, which will go with this government if if there's a challenge from the right. But when you ask about the left, you know the, the left exists. But it's not the same left as you saw before. Right. You see what happened to the Labor Party. You see what happened to these other parties that they, and their positions are moderated. They will have their own agendas. They will really pursue those agendas. We're seeing it already. But one shouldn't, and they have leverage because, like everybody else, they can pull out. But they know that in the general elections, they, they score, what, five votes each or six votes each. They don't have big margins. The... Um... The Rivlin-Biden meeting, by the way, 
Is that unusual for the president of the United States to meet with the president of Israel, or it's happened plenty of times I just don't remember? When I saw it happening, I said to myself, I just don't remember this happening too often where it's the president of Israel representing the government here. Well, it was a personal tribute to President Rivlin, mm. and it was meant to be a message, and I think maybe the invitation was a message to Netanyahu also that they, that Rivlin, who has been much more conciliatory, um, and reached out to different segments of the population, uh, was a popular, generally popular person, I think. Has a long history in Yerushalayim. His family came with the Vilna yeah. Gon. Uh, uh, I think that, that there may have been a, some political hints in the, in the original invitation, but I think this was a gesture. President Herzog was here. President Weitzman had been here. I mean, it goes back way back, so it, it is not that unusual. Often there were state visits. This was not where there was a state dinner, where there were other events. Right. Uh, we met with him. He was here in New York, and we met with uh, President Rivlin when he was he came in. He had a small meeting. He also came back Tuesday to meet with Guterres, who on the same day called for removing all the sanctions, but not with the president. Uh, and, and most of all, that was because Mrs. Golden was here, the mother of Hadar Golden, one of the two wow. Israeli soldiers who are, whose bodies are being held right. by Hamas. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Did, did, I don't even know if you know the answer to this. Did Bibi ever move out of the prime minister's house? Or that's Not it? yet. July 10th, I think. Do you, know, do you know if Bennett's moving in or you have no idea? No, Bennett is going to use it for official functions, but I think for the time being he wants to stay in his house. Wow, the people in Ranana must be overrun with security, <laughs> I would guess. That, that block is probably the best block in the country, <laughs> but he... Uh, but the house, I think they want to refurbish it probably, you know, it's had a tenant for 12 years. Right. It's a long time. And uh, and last time, too, when Barack took over after BB, he also delayed his exit, in part because they're preparing their apartment. They have one in, in Yerushalayim and a house in in um, Caesarea. Right. Interesting. Well, see what happens with that. And the people in Renana, I don't know if they're as thrilled as you think they are. Uh, the numbers are up in Israel. I know we keep talking about deadlines and it's impossible to predict, but why not? It'll satisfy half the people out there that keep asking me, so I'll ask you. Originally, they said July 1st looked like open skies with vaccination. Now the rumor, or at least the way they're projecting, is August 1st. Have you heard anything regarding the latest on this issue? Uh, yes, that nobody seems to really know what the. I, I mean, I'm leaving in the hope that they're not closing the airports while I'm there. They would actually uh, close the airport. They're talking about taking measures again to reduce the tra- uh, traffic at the airport. They're very concerned because this is the rise of the, the Delta, you know, the Indian yeah. uh, version, and it's in many, many cases children bring it, but also foreign tourists who, who bring it. Uh, unfortunately, even some people who are inoculated but have underlying conditions. Uh, are getting it. So th- there's still a lot of mystery around it, something I- I've said all along to, in our discussions that we shouldn't take for granted as it's over. The people have predicted a surge and whether you need booster shots and many other questions that have to be uh, resolved. And the big question is what will happen in Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot, whether people will be able to go. I know that there have been cancellations um, and nobody can give us a, a solid answer uh, you know, I, I was tested when I was there two weeks ago, and now I have to go through everything again. Right. Uh, it's it's uh, uh, an indoor, you have to wear a mask again in Israel. Right. Uh, but the, the likelihood is that they will have to impose additional restrictions. 
Finally, um, Nikki Haley's comment about the regression of the United Nations. I mean, frankly, Malcolm, it, it's it's basically the same as it's always been. Maybe it was a drop better when she was leading the United States representation there, but I I don't I don't know if I'd call it regressing. I think I'd call it business as usual. Yeah, I think there's a trend. There's no there's no big change. The um, the fact is that you have now an ongoing investigation open-ended by the Human Rights Council of War Crimes Involving Israel. You have the International Criminal Court. you got the UNESCO and UNRWA and all of these bodies continuing their anti-Israel propaganda and and the the funding that continues to enable them to carry out these nefarious activities. Um, So, uh, as I said, the Secretary General's comments on the U.S. US sanctions, removing U.S. sanctions, I think that the the United Nations is not going to go through some radical change. You do see a change in the pattern of voting of some of the countries in the General Assembly. Uh, so we hope that all the efforts, especially the Abraham Accords and others, will yield uh, votes. But no one should anticipate we're going to get a majority anytime soon. Nesiat Tova will speak Bezrat Hashem two weeks from now and have a wonderful Shabbos. Thanks for joining us. Shabbat Shalom, as they say, and uh, everybody should be well. And we should get through the three weeks and look to a much better period. Amen, to say the least. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Friday mornings at uh, at um, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the a.m. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. We have a uh, we have something very special for us. It's always special. Rabbi Yudin each week for the last four decades is always special. But when he's broadcasting live from Israel, we get the feeling that he's helping us bridge the gap between us and the Holy Land. And he is in uh, in Israel at the moment, and will speak with us in just a moment about Parshas Pinchas. Candlelighting at eight ten here in New York. It is Shabbos. Mevarchim um, will bench Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av will be Shabbos. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av will be next Shabbos. Keep that in mind. And um, and um, as I said, next week I am away. Uh, next Friday, Matas will actually be sitting in for me here at JM. And I am speaking of Matas, by the way, this coming Sunday. Matas has a, a guest during JM Sunday. JM Sunday airs between uh, 7 and 9 a.m. live this coming Sunday. Matas' guest is Shimshon Mayer Frankel. The book is called The Wisdom of Getting Unstuck, How to Emerge from and Avoid the Muddy Middle. Shimshon Mayer Frankel, Matas' guest this Sunday on JM Sunday right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nahum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Well, it's good morning for you. It's good afternoon for me and all those that are here in Eretz Israel. And this is the one thing you probably could be jealous if I said it last week. I'll say it again. There's no place like home. That's it. You feel at home. All right, we'll come back to home in a few moments. Let's get to Pasha's Pinchas. Pasha's Pinchas has six mitzvos, and they are positive mitzvos, and they deal with different korbanos. The korban tomit we bring every day, the korban musaf of Rosh Chodesh, the korban musaf of Shabbos, and mitzvos of Shofar and Rosh Hashanah. Now, wait a second. What's going on here? So, says the Chidush 
Rebbe Yitzchak of Bardichev so beautifully. If you take the three weeks seriously, and I tried to suggest last week, let's try to take it seriously, remembering by one davening a little slower, and especially the parts that talk about the three weeks, Yerushalayim, Moshiach, and Korbanos. Now watch. The fact that if one takes this time of the year seriously, a sense of yeush, a sense of despondency could very well set in. And therefore, it's not by chance, it's not by coincidence that every year either Pinchas is during the three weeks, like this year, or right before, the Shabbos the day before. The bottom line is that the purpose of reading Parshas Pinchas is the Oded, to give us that sense of assurance that it is coming. Karbanos will be offered in the Beis HaMikdash. There's going to be the Karban Tamid. There's going to be the Karban of the various Musafim, additional Karbanos on the Yom Tovim. I'd like to share with you a delicious insight of the Vilna Gaon. We know that the Parsha begins with the reward given to Pinchas for the action that he took at the very end of Parsha's Bolak. He saw, unfortunately, a head prince of the tribe of Shimon, Zimri ben Salu, took a Midianite woman and brings her to Moshe, we're told in the Gemara Sanhedrin, asking, is this woman permissible? And if you say no, look, you married a woman from Midian. Yes, if anybody is listening and wondering, how could it be? Moshe married her, remember, before Matan Torah. This is taking place way after Matan Torah. The bottom line is that for the moment, Moshe forgot the halacha. Pinchas comes and says to Moshe, wait a minute, Moshe Rabbeinu, did you not teach us? Lo kach limadatani, didn't you teach us? Beridetacha mehar sinai, when you came down from the mountain, aboeles kusis, if someone literally violates and lives with a non-Jewish woman, kanoyim pogimbo, then a zealot is permitted to come and kill him. The rest, my friends, is history. Moshe says the one who reads the letter, he should be the one to carry it out. And Pinchas takes the romach, the spear, kills them both, and the Torah tells us the magefa, the plague, stops as a result of Pinchas' heroism. In this week's parasha, we're told that he gets the peace prize, Brisi Shalom. Isn't it strange? And the Nitzib says beautifully, because having done an act of murder, which could perhaps scar, tarnish his personality, the Torah says, no, I give him, says Hashem, Brisi Shalom. I will give him that equilibrium. I would give him that sense of calm, 
that he had before, even after he did something of this nature. Now, the question that the Vilna Gaon asks is, wait a minute, is this one of the first halachos that Moshe Rabbeinu taught when he came down from the mountain? Could you imagine? He's up on the mountain 40 days, and he comes down, and everybody's listening. Shh, what's, what are you teaching us, Moshe? Could it be? Boel Haramis? No, 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 says the Vilna Gaon. It's not that Moshe Rabbeinu taught this by clapping on the shtenda and getting up and giving a drusha about this, but Moshe taught by example. What does that mean? Moshe comes down from the mountain and he sees Loelenu, Klai Yisrael, worshipping the eagle. What does he do? He breaks the luchos. Does the Kodesh Baruch Hu tell Moshe to break the luchos? Absolutely not. Moshe does it on his own. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu agrees with him and says, Moshe, Yashikovach Sheshibarta. Pinchas learns from Moshe. The Lashon is, you taught us, but you taught us by example. Now let's go on. Pinchas is, the Torah tells us, who is he? Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron HaKohen. Who needs, we all know that Aaron is the father of Elazar. Why tell us who his grandfather is? So the Gemara tells us in Sanhedrin, Pebez, Rashi quotes that since people were saying, look at his Zidah, look at his grandfather. And who and what was his grandfather? His grandfather was Yisro, who was Petain, fattened, a golem, the calves for Avodah Zorah. Ah, look who now is doing this action. And so the Torah is telling us, wait a second. Besides the fact that we know later on, Yisro converts. The bottom line is, look at the other Zeda and learn from the other Zeda. What did Aaron do? When B'nai Yisrael come and say, make us an Eid. So take a look in Parshas Yisro. And where are we? In Yisro. Perik Lamed Beis. Posokei. Vayar Aaron. Vayiven Mizbeach Lefanov. Aaron sees and he builds a Mizbeach. Now what's Pshat? He builds a Mizbeach. So Rashi says, incredible, that Vayar, he sees, okay, and Vayi, instead of Vayiven, it could be understood, Vayoven, he understood what was happening. Mizavuach, instead of the word Mizbeach, from the fact that they killed Hur, he said, I will not allow them to kill me, and therefore he takes action. Bring me the jewelry, it would take time, and he'll build it himself as opposed to their building, you know, the Mizbeach. The idea is incredible that Aaron takes action, and as Rashi says on the spot over there, he's the Omar Mutov, it's best. I'll take the blame and not them. I'll be responsible. Pinchas learned from Moshe. He learned from Aaron that there are times that a leader has to take action. And there are times that he has to take the initiative. And he can't look for a precedent. You've got to do what you know is right. Now you're listening, everybody, and you're going to say, okay, that's a directive to leadership. 
what about each and every one of us? So I want to suggest that each and every one of us are governed by that which we find in Pirkei Avos, Perik Beis, and that is B'mokom She'enish, where there is no one taking the initiative, B'mokom She'enish, where there is that man, you ought to be the Ish, you ought to be the heavy Ish. Incredible. We all know that in Eretz Yisrael, wherever you go, there are branches of Yad Sora. What is Yad Sora? Yad Sora is an organization whereby you have all kinds of medical equipment, uh, not just wheelchairs, which people can come and help make as part of your trip to Eretz Yisrael. But we're talking about ventilators. We're talking about very significant kinds of medical equipment, all kinds of equipment for new mothers coming home from the hospital, etc. that the uh, Yad Sora lends to people. It is a gemach. A gemach is a beautiful organization of doing chasodim. It started with one man, one Jew started. Uri Lapiansky, who later on became a, the mayor of Yerushalayim, but he started Yad Sora, which now has branches all over. One person, Ishtadel Leo Zish. Now, let me tell you something. There is Mitzvah 431 in the Torah, Vahaftim Esager. You are to literally love the convert, somebody who goes through conversion and is a sincere convert, a Ger Tzedek. There's a special Mitzvah in the Torah, not only He's a Jew and love him as there's an obligation to love every Jew. Love him or her based on an additional esager. And the Chinuch writes at the end of that mitzvah for 431 that if somebody is new to the community, someone is new to Yeshua, go over and welcome them. I have to tell you this morning, I davened in Harnov, first time in that particular Beis HaKnesses. After Shul was over, a gentleman came over to me, extended his hand and said, welcome to Harnov. You know what I said to him? Wow, you fulfilled Mitzvah 431. Because the Chinuch writes at the end of that Mitzvah, it doesn't only apply to the converts, it applies to someone that's new to your community. Ask them, Do you have a place? Do you need a place for breakfast? Can I take you to my house? Can I tell you where the local place is? That little gesture goes so far. Each one of us can do it. You be the one in your shul, in your community, to welcome the stranger. What a privilege that is. Let me tell you something. My fingers, my index fingers, don't fit in your ears. But guess what? Yours do. You're in a situation where you hear Lashon Hara. So the answer is, you can't always say, excuse me, that's, not, that's correct. You can't always uh, be mavaze, embarrass the person to say, but you can do something. You can make a statement. You can show that you don't approve of this. You're going to put your fingers in your ears. And guess what? Just by that simple action, wow, you have shown people what could and should be right. Now, this is so true in so many different ways. In your office, when you wear the yarmulke, 
and you act in a proper way, wow, what a Kiddush Hashem you accomplish in such a way. And I can even tell you that Eretz Zavas Cholov Udvash, leave it to Eretz Yisrael, that there's literally a shortage of beehives in the world, okay? There's a colony collapse disorder, which is shortening and curtailing bees. Kibbutz Beiso Amek in the Western Galilee, what are they doing? They are coming up, and they have, with a robotic beehive. Incredible, giving them the proper environment. Again, literally, Erez Zavas Cholov Udvash, and for those of us who didn't realize how important the bees are, the bees are so important because they pollinate the fruits, the vegetables, and the nuts. Without the bees, there would not be almonds. We don't realize the sophistication of this world, and we don't realize So I take this opportunity of wishing everyone a, not only a good Shabbos, but to realize that in these three weeks, it's the time when the Gemara tells us, do you want to know why the base Hamikdash was destroyed? The Gemara says, because they followed Din Torah. Is that crazy? They followed Din Torah. The Gemara says, yes. They didn't go Lefnim Meshur Zadin. They didn't go beyond. If you follow Din Torah, what's coming to me I want, and what's coming to you you want, that's no good. What we have to want is that little bit more for the next one. And by each of us wanting that little bit more for the next one, that's going to help bring about that Avas Chinam, which we so dearly need. Now, wishing everybody on that note, a good Shabbos, we should be Zolcha, to go out of our way, each and every one of us, for the next one. Shabbat Shalom to all. I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a minion around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? I stepped off the bus in Mobile, Alabama. The sun was slowly setting on the bay. Six o'clock on a summer Friday afternoon. Shabbos was an hour away. I walked around the town wondering what to do. Shabbos is no time to be feeling blue. i
nothing to mourn. They went into a shop that red closed on the door. There was a minion in the back of a hardware store. Nine men waiting for one more. We ushered in the Shabbos with a beautiful song. Chazan had a voice that was clear and strong. He sang out as one all Shabbos long. Then Marib came again, I had to be moving on. I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a minion around. But one of us passed away. Shabbos was carried on a song. Whoa, I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a minion around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay? For Shabbos Minion Man Oh, won't you stay with us For Shabbos Minion Man Please, won't you stay with us For Shabbos Minion Man The candles, they always And I know it's the start of a special day. Hey, hey, I got my shabbos. Oh, oh, I got my shabbos. Oh, I got my shabbos starting Friday night. Every Friday night. I got my shabbos. Oh, oh. Oh, 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 oh,
Walking through synagogues always fun on Friday night. Don't you know that the week is done on Friday night? When we say Shalom Aleichem, we sing in three-part harmony, and we know, and I know, it's the start of the perfect day. Oh, oh, I got my Shabbos. Oh, oh, I got my Shabbos. Oh, oh, I got my Shabbos starting Friday night, every Friday night. Shabbat afternoon, I close my eyes for a couple of minutes and recharge, and recharge for the week ahead. Oh, oh, I got my Shabbos, oh, oh, I got my Shabbos, oh, oh, I got my Shabbos starting Friday night, every Friday night. J.M. and the A.M. with some schlock rock off Schlockapella. Um, that one is called Sabbath Blessings. <clears throat> before that, you heard I Got My Shabbos. And before that, of course, Minion Man. How great is Minion Man here at J.M. and the A.M.? Thanks to those who are commenting on the app. Listener Devora from Israel says... Um, 
one of uh, the Team Israel players, Asaf Lohengrat, came to give the Yad Binyamin Wolves a baseball clinic. He was so kind and sweet to the boys. I believe that. Also, I had the pleasure of joining almost 400 women and girls in fundraising almost a million shekel for Sadnat Shiuv, or Shiluv, rather, by swimming across the lower end of the Kinneret. It was glorious and fun. I could only imagine. Wow. Baruch Hashem. Thanks to those who are commenting on the app. Much appreciated, to say the least. Uh, Matis is on Sunday, of course, JM Sunday. He'll have a um, he'll have a guest, an interview that he will be conducting. Uh, let me give me give me a second to get to the information. An interview he'll be conducting with the author of a book. The book is entitled "The Wisdom of Getting Unstuck: How to Emerge from and Avoid the Muddy Middle." Shimshon Mayer Frankel is Matis's guest this coming Sunday. Uh, also, a big thank you in order to Mark uh, Avrami and Matis will be sitting in next week while I'm away. Thank you, gentlemen, very, 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 very much. And um, yeah, that'll be happening between uh, Sunday. I mean, Matis is always on JM Sunday. So I, w- I would say Monday through Friday of next week. Our next weekly update, Erev Shabbos Nachamu, the 23rd of July. As you heard, if you were listening earlier, Malcolm's going to be traveling. Um, so won't be able to join us next week. On the 11th of July, which is a week from Sunday, come cheer on Team Israel as they head to the Olympics. It's the Israel national baseball team against the FDNY to uh, benefit Makor Disability Services. Call. It's happening at Maimonides Park at 4 p.m. Sunday, July 11th. Call the number, order some tickets, sponsor the event, give to Makor, and go to the event. Go to the event. Why not? 917-796-7372. 917 917-796-7361. 917-796-7361 is the number. Um, and then Team Israel the next night, the 12th of July, is up in Rockland County to play the New York Boulders. That'll be happening the next day. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more, old-world classics, beef, fry, kishka, and more, and modern, better-for-you kosher products, including no-nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code RADIO. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. And that, my friends, is an understatement. <laughs> You will be glad you did. That is for sure. What else do I have to tell everybody? Um, I think that may be, may be it for now. We're ready to do some more of our uh, acapella, brilliant acapella selections. Uh, Benny Friedman's got a um, a really solid, I must say, really solid acapella album. Uh, This one he calls uh, Whispers of the Heart, volume number two. And uh, here is a selection from that album. On a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. I was told to speak to you, Hashem. 
Maybe you can tell me who I am I've been lost too long to know where I belong In the end, my only hope is that you'll hold my hand How am I supposed to see your path? With so many questions I have to ask Now I'm standing here alone I'm losing hope And in the end My tears are falling to you I shed I am here to speak with you, Hashem. I am here to speak with you, Hashem. Starting to see now who I am. Starting to see now who I am. I've been lost before, I know, but here I stand, holding your hand, taking a part in your plan. Take your hand.
רבים לא יוכלו לכבוי ססמבו לא יוכלו ונהורויס לא ישטפו Freeman, off of her uh, Whispers of the Heart, volume number two here at JM in the AM. Time to take a Chabbos journeys at JM in the AM.
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course, the beloved NSN app. Oh, yes. Get ready for the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix all day long until we get the candle lighting time. Thank you to the wonderful people at Kedem. Matis, this coming Sunday, join him between 7 and 9 a.m. Uh, his guest this Sunday is going to be um, Shimshon Mayer Frankel, author of the book, The Wisdom of Getting Unstuck. Also want to thank all of our donors. A big thank you. Uh, to Mrs. Carol Schichman of Scotch Plains in honor of her grandchildren, Molly, Lucy, Abby, Lila, and Ruby, in a memory of the late Mayor Weingarten. I thank you very much for that, a 100-plus $8 donation. And a big thank you to those who continue to send in and to um, give donations at fjbunity.org. Next week, enjoy the great hosts of JM and the AM. I will return, please God, the week after. Have a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend. Till next time, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.